Welcome to No Wahala, the podcast, highlighting the voices, experiences, and reflections of African diasporans reconnecting to Africa. I am Gaima, and it's my intention to bridge the gap between the African and the African diasporan through the story shared by my guests and myself. We could learn a lot together. It's time to level up. It's no wahala. So you just heard a little bit about so you just listened to my last few days in Sierra Leone particularly Freetown before ending my eight-month journey I would say um, of a lifetime thus far and making my way back Um, listening definitely reminded me of how I felt in those moments and yeah you know once you are somewhere where you start to kind of build a normal way of living if you will stepping away from that there is definitely some aspects that are tough to process tough to swallow and I could hear it in my voice. I don't know about you all, but either way, the last 48 hours were tough. A lot of tears, a lot of smiles, a lot of prayer, because quite frankly, I just felt like there was a force that was trying to keep me from coming back. I'll be completely honest with you. You know, I think that personally, I believe that There's definitely good and evil in this world, and I'd like to think that I'm on the side of good. And what I'm trying to do, the initiatives that I've manifested by myself, those alongside with my business partners, um, business associates, etc., like a lot of that just, it promotes good. And when you're doing good and evil sees that, you know, evil tries to step in the way. And um, there are various points along our trip in particular where things got really, really difficult, very difficult. Some I may not really be able to talk through quite yet. And um, some you'll hear within this episode or an upcoming episode But either way, you know, you really start to get a better understanding of like what life is really all about and focus on what matters and what's important. So just, you know, finding the strength to get through one day at a time, it's real for a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons. In my case, of course, trying to make it home safe and sound, you know, after being gone for well over a year, I'm sorry, less than a year, well over six months, 
Um, I know that it was also causing some anxiety with my family. And, you know, part of me, of course, is concerned for my own safety. But I was also like growing concerned for my mom, her nerves, my sisters, you know, my best friends, like people are like getting anxious. So the last 48 hours was tough, but manageable, made it. And, you know, just trying to capture those moments um, from leaving Freetown until landing here in JFK, New York City, um, was interesting. It's the first time, I will say, that I've ever flown and felt no anxiety about, oh my God, we're up in the air, we're crossing the Atlantic. Various times before when I've, you know, flown those flights, um, I've gone to sleep in order to just not think about being in the air for so long, you know. Um, I've never really invested in alcohol because I feel like it's expensive and has never been in my proper budget to buy alcohol on a flight. But just, you know, trying to distract myself. And this time, I just didn't. I really didn't. I was just extremely confident. Once finally got onto that plane, I was just like, this is it. Um, God did not bring me this far. He just didn't. I know there's some gospel song. Can't think of it at the moment. But honestly, like God did not bring me this far to disappoint. Absolutely not. So I just knew everything was going to be okay. And, you know, it was. And the song even definitely was in Arabic because I flew with um, Royal Morocco. And um, so I don't know what the words are. I haven't had them translated yet, but I definitely will probably always remember that song when I hear it because it was the song that I was listening to when I landed back in the United States after being gone for almost nine months. Safit, I really am thankful. I'm extremely proud of myself for having the courage. I'm especially thankful for, you know, my best friend for encouraging me to want to take a dream and really make it become our reality. You know, Koku is someone who people are always talking, oh, she's just so free-spirited and yada yada yeah she's a musician she's a creative and you know people like to typecast creatives into behaving and living their life a certain way and it is what it is you know everybody's entitled to their own opinion but I'm so grateful because it was something that was an idea but her her spirit was so serious about us doing this that we did it and it happened and you know then you know me I'm so extra I took it a two and a half to three month trip 
and turn it into an eight-month trip. Go figure. So grateful to my mom and my sisters for, you know, showing up and realizing things weren't going exactly as planned. And for various reasons, it was important that I stayed on the continent longer than originally anticipated and intended. And they supported that not only morally, but financially. I had aunts, close friends that just would show up with money in my account. I'd just be like, wait a second, you know, and they'd be like, yeah, I just, here you go. Like, you, you have no idea how important it is to know that people really give a damn about you, really care. People would call and just, hey, how are you? Like, really, how are you? And not just assume because they saw a beautiful photo on Instagram that I'm just a-okay. I'm not going to post when I'm yelling at a market person because they're trying to rip me off. I'm not going to be able to post getting almost into a physical altercation with a transportation provider. I can't. That might be like entertaining for some people, but when you're in the moment of being, you know, less than happy, you know, it's hard to capture those moments. I also, I can't post some of the most beautiful nights I experienced, you know, looking up at the stars and seeing real stars. I can't post that either. Some of these moments just deserve to just be a moment. I can't give everything to Instagram and other social media platforms. I'm just not able, I'm not going to be able to be that person. So the balance between all of that is typically what you see on Instagram. And I just appreciate those in my life, friends and family who knew, regardless of whatever you saw on social media, I needed to be able to connect personally and they showed up for me on so many levels and I'm always 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 going to be grateful for that so you heard what it sounded like the last 48 hours but the first 48 hours of being back wow um <laughs> once you step off that plane you're, you know that you're back. It's just hustle and bustle, fast-paced walking. You know, everybody's kind of for themselves. Of course, the U.S. is far ahead when it comes to electronic processing of anything and everything, I think. So, you know, there's all kinds of machines to greet you and assist in ensuring that your line you know, your process in the customs line is now extremely short. And so, I mean, I would say kudos to customs and TSA and whatever other department had a hand in that because you just go through, you do your little um, electronics, like almost like they scan your, you basically take the initiative to scan your own passport into the system. 
you know, follow the prompts, etc. And that's like the hard, long part per se. Once you cross that, you give them whatever paper that prints off. They do a super quick validation. And just like that, you're back in the U.S. officially. So one of the things that was a little comforting, um, there's a guy from Bangladesh who was managing the suitcases coming down the conveyor belt. And I think because I'm just so used now to talking to people um, that are different from me, completely different from me, him and I bonded while waiting for my luggage. You know, he showed me pictures of his wife, his kids, you know, was excited to show me what they had worn for Eid. And um, it was it was cute. It was like a real cute. Wow. I'm back in the U.S. where so many different personalities and ethnicities that go along with that. And that's that to me is what makes America so great because of the diversity. And so after waiting for and getting my luggage that's when the mayhem started because my sim card for the u.s was not working it wasn't even roaming and um i didn't have you know any money to just go and buy a new sim card or sign up for a new phone like right there on the spot at the airport um so my Uber wasn't working. It was kind of a shit show. So I ended up taking a cab. And that cab ride was dreadful because I had forgotten that I get car sick. Typically only in New York. Um, so I arrived at my sister's a little nauseated, but had time to kind of unwind and take in New York. Taking in New York City means sitting on the stoop. For many of you who have never experienced sitting on the stoop in New York, you need to get into it um, because it's what we do here. Not all the time. I mean, some people do it all the time. I don't have time for that. But sitting on the stoop is something that allows you to people watch you know just take in the scene of what's happening in your local neighborhood no matter what neighborhood you're in um as long as it's not dangerous sitting on the stoop i totally encourage you to do so so i arrive and my sister's still at work so i've got to sit on the stoop and wait and the neighbors are playing one of my favorite songs, If I Ruled the World. And I tell you, I was like, okay, God, thank you, because you could have had anybody else out here playing any sort of song that I just would not like. Eyes could be rolling, all of that. But you are playing for me my favorite rapper, Nas, and one of my favorite songs from him where he's featuring Lauren Hill, you know, a modern day icon. And the content though, if I rule the world, I free all my sons, you know, black diamonds and pearls. It's 
literally how I feel, especially returning from Africa. It's it's truly, I think it's how I feel anytime I think about my trip, anytime I think about the people there versus the people here, especially the African diasporic community compared to the African on the continent. There's so many similarities. Even the whole sitting on the stoop, playing music, you know, in the evening. That is literally what happens every day, as long as the weather is conducive in Freetown. That's like what I got used to. Not every single person does it, but you can't drive but for so far before you hear or see something along those lines. Our people are just so similar in so many ways. And it's just the little things, you know, the things that you don't think matter, you don't think, you know, would connect. Like it connects, the connection is there. We are them and they are us. And that's one of the most important pieces that I really want anybody listening to get is that the African on the continent and the African diasporan, you know, elsewhere, whether it be the United States, whether it be Europe, whether it be, you know, the West Indies or the Caribbean, South America, we're so similar in so many ways. It's embedded in our DNA and making the connection going beyond what it is right now. There's so much opportunity. So I'm just all about encouraging that in my own little way. However I can do it, that's what I'm that's what I'm about. So of course seeing my sister was I thought I was gonna cry and I didn't, which, you know, yay me, I guess, but um it was just like the biggest sigh of relief, you know, talking with my mom, my other sisters you know, days later, attending a family reunion where on my father's side, you know, got to see him along with all of my relatives, pretty much, that are here in the States. Um, what a feeling, you know, so much pride from so many people because I was able to complete this trip, but just me feeling good to see all of them, like it just... It was just like, I just feel so good. I just feel good. However, it's not all glossy. It's not all rosy. The food, first and foremost, this whole, when you see a label at the grocery store that says organic, like, I'm going to be honest with you. All I've been doing is rolling my eyes at everything because... I I have been living an organic lifestyle for eight months, almost a year, where I'm eating food that has only been processed once, no more than twice. And here, the way that food is processed before even being packaged to then be sold, you know, there is a reason why everyone's got a little bit of a puff. We, Me and Koku call it the puff. Um, 
as opposed to if they were eating organic food, like truly real from the roots, from the ground, into your pot, into your belly. There's a huge difference. And for me, when I first got here, like the water was not conducive to my system. Um, not, I wasn't drinking water over there that was like from there. I mean, I was drinking bottled water, but the bottled water, water there, um, was spring water. And so I guess, you know, people like, oh, your melanin is off, like your skin is flawless. I mean, I was drinking spring water every day several times a day and the way that i drink water we're talking a minimum of three to four bottles of water a day so i went from that this tap water that's supposed to be like the healthiest because yeah it still has a bunch of bullshit in it and my body was still like reject what is this no 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 so it was difficult i basically still do you know drink only bottled water and i boil if i'm going to drink water that is coming from the tap before i drink it i boil it um eating the fruits i'm getting back into it the fruits here are not the same they're not organic there's a lot of pesticides the vegetables honestly same thing you know it just is tough so between the jet lag which i always thought jet lag was just like something that people said but when you legit cannot stay awake it doesn't matter like you believe that you've rested but you just have this overwhelming feeling and then boom you're asleep boom you wake up and it's like four hours later and you don't know what happened i experienced that and it kind of scared me a little bit because i'm not used to not having control over being tired and what I do next and so for like the first seven days I didn't even really feel comfortable leaving the apartment um between not knowing (laughs) what was going to happen in that bathroom vicinity when it came to me processing all of this and not knowing what was going to happen you know as far as, you know, how it react in certain situations with people, everything, I just really felt out of place. And it was tough. I just wanted to, if anything, it sounds weird, but I wanted to go home. I wanted to go back because I just had gotten so used to how things go there. Um, but I got over it. I got over it. Um, getting over it. Um, I've gone back into a mode of being more social, attending more social gatherings, you know, that whole networking business type of thing that you do as an entrepreneur. You know, I had to really kind of coach myself like, bruh, you can't just sit at home. It's not going to be conducive to your business, to you personally, like you got to get back into it. So it's not easy, has not been easy, but what I have learned and really am applying every day is finding the peace in all of this chaos. Um, It's really difficult 
to just hit the ground running when you don't have a job waiting for you you know you are dependent upon other people financially even though your dna is not set up that way um you know just not having my own space physically personal space it's not easy but it could be worse i could be really really strained and thankfully that's not the case um i'm okay things are coming along um there's a lot ahead of us from a business perspective there's a lot ahead personally some of it is um there are aspects where they'll cross paths and whatnot and then others just different initiatives non-work related which is also dope so it's coming together but it's not easy and um what i would encourage a lot of people to think about the next time that you meet somebody who is not from here if you can help them take them for coffee talk to them find out what's really troubling them what do they seem to need assistance with it's not easy to leave your home and come to a place that's strange it's even harder to do that and have to worry about what are you going to eat it's not going to make you ill you know what where are you going to go where should you go where should you avoid you know luckily i'm not a huge or a complete stranger to new york especially the city and where i'm residing but my goodness if i had not lived here prior and this was my first bout with new york whoa i don't i don't really know what i would be doing so I'm thankful that I've got the experience, but just think of all those people who don't. Help somebody if you can. If they are foreign to this this country and they're here visiting, looking to stay, if you can help, just help. It goes so far, it's such a long way. Just help. Help somebody. Don't just watch them. You know, you got that new person at work in the office and they just are always, they've got like a glazed look of confusion. Step in, please, and help. You see somebody walking down the street, they look absolutely lost. Help. Helping is something that happens so much. It seems like everywhere else except here. And granted, there's so many cities, many that I actually haven't been to, but places where I have been to, and people are pretty helpful. But uh, there's so many cities where I've been to where helping is like a luxury, and it's, it's bullshit. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Help is the question and the answer. Yeah. So, my first 48 hours, a lot of sleeping, jet lag, trying to just find something to eat that wouldn't make me sick. 
trying to reach out to people and let them know I'm back safely, you know, and do that without falling asleep. (laughs) Not the easiest 48 hours that I've ever experienced, but um, it is what it is. 48 hours before, 48 hours after. In the end, because of the fact that I'm safe, I'm sound, I'm healthy, it's no wahala. Just making it happen one day at a time. Thanks for listening. I am Gaima, and you've been listening to No Wahala, the podcast. I hope you are inspired to deepen your connection to Africa through the story shared by my guests and I, the African diasporans in Africa. Follow No Wahala on your favorite podcast streaming platform today. Comment, rate, and share. We could all learn from each other. For more, Visit us at IamGaima.com backslash no wahala.